This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Hello and welcome to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. In this episode, I will be talking with Brian Majeur. He's the founder at Ad Astra. He's a former SpaceX engineer, and he's the co-host of Ad Astra With, which is a podcast with top space and clean tech leaders where they explore hotly debated industry topics. We'll be discussing how he transitioned from being a former SpaceX engineer to owning his own company. I'm your host, Jeff Perry. I'm the founder of More Than Engineering, and I'm the creator of the Engineering Career Accelerator Program, which focuses on helping engineers and technology professionals with leadership and career development to create meaningful careers and lives. And this is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast brought to you by EMI, the first podcast dedicated to helping engineers and technical professionals with both their personal and professional development. Now I'm excited to jump into the main segment of our episode. Today I have the pleasure to have with me Brian Majeur. He's the founder of Ad Astra. Brian, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. Super excited to be here. Brian, I'd love to have you tell our listeners about yourself. What's Ad Astra? Tell us about what you're up to. I mean, maybe people are familiar with the phrase Ad Astra, but tell us about the company. What are you up to these days? I'm an aerospace engineer, got my bachelor's and master's from Michigan in aerospace, and then worked at SpaceX for a number of years, primarily as a propulsion engineer, and was really loving that and doing a lot of fun stuff there, like pioneering refurbishment for our first stage engines once we were able to recover those rockets, and really enjoyed it, but also felt like I wanted to try something different, new, and get into an earlier stage startup, move more towards operations and business and management. And so took a essentially a head of US operations at a tech startup in the Bay Area and did that for a little bit before starting at Astra, which as you mentioned, is a common phrase, especially for us space nerds, that is Latin for to the stars. And what at Astra really came to be by identifying a need in the space industry, which is hiring the best people to solve the hardest problems in space. There's been a massive influx of early stage startups in the, we call it new space industry, often founders coming from SpaceX and wanting to leverage lower cost launches and really build new industries off the planet. But they all want the best of the best engineers. Space isn't an easy industry to accomplish your goals in. And so we're basically forming a new industry, essentially. And so there's not enough established experienced engineers to fill all those needs. And so it's a highly competitive talent market. And so what we do is we leverage my engineering background and combine that with my business partner and wife, Seika. Her background is all on the talent and people operations side of things. So we have a really nice pairing of my technical and SpaceX and startup experience with her talent experience across nationwide companies, startups, established organizations, and the like to 
partner really closely with these organizations and help them find their most highly technical and executive leaders for their growing organization so that they can achieve those big things that they're set out to do. Really cool that you're trying to support these industries in, in these different ways. Now, this whole concept of going from maybe a traditional engineering career and, and working at SpaceX, which for a lot of people would be like a dream just to do that in some ways, and maybe it was for that time, but making that transition to startups and then starting your own company, that's a big jump. Was there a trigger or was there a big goal? What was it that was the drive for you and your wife to make this jump and make this happen? There wasn't necessarily this one big thing. I think if I look back a ways, I kind of always knew that I wasn't going to stay a stereotypical engineer my whole life. I've always loved math and physics and the intersection of that to the real world and thought space was really cool. And so it was great getting in at SpaceX, was thrilled to have that opportunity. I feel very fortunate. And at the same time, I didn't feel like I was the traditional engineer's engineer. And so I've always had this feeling like I would do something else. And I didn't necessarily know that it was being an entrepreneur and starting my own business. But also, in hindsight, it, it makes a lot of sense. It was the this company is the intersection of the my technical expertise, my passion for space. And we're also working with clean tech startups as well. So we're working with those two industries, which I'm both very passionate about, but then I'm also working on business operations, company operations, people management, and business development. And it's it's this really fun multi-tool that I get to express a lot of my interests and, and skills. But I think if I had to point to one moment, I can't even remember exactly where we were, but my wife and I were just talking about and probably on a hike and thinking about the things that we're passionate about and the, the needs in the world. And we were like, wait a minute, the intersection of both of our backgrounds solves a need that we know exists and that we really care about and that we could have a ton of fun building the business. So that's kind of how it came to be. It's interesting. I mean, it kind of naturally was a fit for you and your wife in this case. And and that whole process of kind of finding that niche for a business can be really difficult because there are many engineers who might have this idea of like, hey, I want to start a business and leave kind of the traditional nine to five, whatever that is, or maybe do something on the side because engineers are so versatile in the types of things they can do, like beyond just, you know, whatever analysis or engineering or design or whatever work they do. Like there's so many things that ways you can apply the engineering way of thinking. It seems like it sort of emerged for you and your wife, but was there anything as you were really starting to get going to really kind of hone in what this is going to look like to define that niche in a really specific way as you got started and really started getting traction with the business? For us, the, we identified the niche before we identified the business. And I think generally that's a really helpful way of doing it because when you're starting a business, you want to have, they often call it a beachhead like World War II Normandy. You want to have this one place that you're going to go and you're going to dominate it and you're going to do it better than anyone else. And if your niche isn't a niche and it's really large, you're probably just going to get lost in the noise. And so we first identified that niche and we're like, this is a business opportunity. And it was a really excellent place to start and, and build it up. And we pretty quickly realized that we were can only grow so much within that one niche. 
as for our business, we don't want a hundred percent saturation in the market or anywhere even close to that. We need places that we can poach from, and we wanted to be partnered with the best of the best and be able to frankly poach from the rest. And so we realized, hey, we need to be keeping an eye out for what that next niche is. And so we first thought that that would be autonomous drones, basically flying cars, stuff like that. There's a huge industry around that right now. But we kind of found out it just wasn't the right fit. The same level of passion for us and for our candidates just wasn't quite the same. And that's essentially how we got into the clean tech domain was realizing that not only were we really passionate about it, but our candidates and our clients are just like us. We're really passionate about our industries. And that started with space and doing this really cool stuff off Earth, but then realize, oh, there's also this massive need on Earth. And so most of our candidates were our space candidates that have worked at SpaceX and the like, and they either want to stay in space the rest of their career, or they want to switch to clean tech and solve the climate crisis. So that's it's really been listening to the market to identify where that niche is and where it makes sense for who we are and who our candidates and our like network essentially is and what they're looking for. Really trying to find that niche and then and establish the business around that because you saw the need. And that's that's one of the big things that we were talking about, really finding that need and and how do you solve that problem here? Now, we were talking earlier about how engineers are so versatile, a lot of things that they can do to apply their engineering skills. So I'm curious to hear from your experience, how has that background in engineering and aerospace helped you in running and growing this new business. It's, I mean, it's a related, but it's a completely different type of work that you're doing and the functions that you're doing. But how does engineering and those skills play into that? You were touching on it earlier. It's the engineering way of thinking is is very valuable, breaking it down into pieces and having first principles thinking, but also being able to acknowledge when is this solution the right solution for the the circumstance. We were at SpaceX and all our clients are always talking about having first principles thinking and not always having to go after the hardest solution. What's the simplest solution? And I think because essentially engineering is physics, but it's taking it to real world implications. An engineer isn't just trying to understand what physics are. They're trying to say, what real world problems can I solve leveraging physics or within the bounds of, of physics? And I think and operation of a business is is kind of similar. You need to take something you know that can work it, and then deliver value and return a profit, but it, that can be very theoretical, right? And it's not until you actually learn the practical applications of, do you have product market fit? Do you have a good business development strategy and leadership and operations in play that and you're able to sort out those real world implications and dynamics to actually go accomplish something incredible. Like it's not just the theory of, yes, I know how to hire someone. Let me go do it. It's how do I actually put all the pieces together to solve a real problem? There are so many different pieces there to solve the problem. And, and one of those you mentioned, like business development, like in your world, this is a service based business. And so there's a lot of people you need to connect with and network with and build partnerships with the right people that can help. Hopefully it's win-win situations. You can mutually benefit each other with the work that you do. So that brings us kind of the topic of networking, which is a broad topic in careers and, and business growth. But 
how have you found going about networking has really benefited you? How do you go about doing that? And what does it do to help grow the work that you do in your business? We as engineers often have a pretty negative association to networking. A lot of engineers are very, no, the math, the physics, the work is what matters and the people side of things or the doesn't matter. And so I don't think people will like my answer, but I think that I just can't emphasize how important networking is. It's vital. And maybe you're individual contributor engineer, but you're the excellent. And that's really great. And I'm like, that's so, so valuable. And you might never need to do business development in your life. But if you don't network at all, you also might never hear about an opportunity that is perfect for you or that you really want to take on. So even for that individual, it's still highly, highly valuable. I think we could talk about this a lot. I was really blessed to be at SpaceX for a long time and the amount of people that I interacted with that were incredible what they do and are now off doing something else super incredible. And those connections that I made, whether it was working firsthand personally or we just heard of each other through mutual friends, has been highly, highly beneficial to starting my business or getting people connected with other people that they need. It's a way to grow your own network, but also your own impact exponentially because we're humans and we trust people that we've interacted with or we'll even extend that trust to someone that you trust. It's a big deal you're talking about like how SpaceX opened up a lot of those doors with people you connected with. And that's just a principle that I work with a lot of engineers and and thinking about when it comes to networking is like, start with who you already know. Like it doesn't necessarily need to be like going to conferences and handing out business cards or how many connections you have on LinkedIn. Like that's not what networking is. Networking is relationships. And you already have relationships and people you've worked with, people you know in your personal life. Start with that and they might be able to connect you with other people. And, And then the other question I always say is like, who do you want to know? And like, how can you go about doing that? But You've done a lot of that over the years to connect with a lot of people, again, that you already knew or that they knew or you found and met through other means, right? It's so good and and so true. Something I did was when I was leaving SpaceX, I made a list of everyone I could think of that I worked with. And then I added all of them on LinkedIn before I left. You know, that took me probably an hour's worth of work. And helped me to like remember these people better and have a connection with them better, even though I might not have their phone number in the future. And I actually wrote an article on LinkedIn, just almost like a blog post, if you will, about the value of networking, especially for engineers and encourage people to check that out. But it says the same thing that you just start with who you already know and that it really is just about relationships. The most powerful networking I've done has stemmed from just who I worked with and building that trust, building that respect, and treating people well, doing good work, that essentially is networking, but it's doing it with warmth and respect and and letting that build and know that that it can have value and come back down the line. And yeah, there's all sorts of other ways you can do it as like more separate from your work, like going to conferences and, and whatnot. But I'd even just recommend start with your immediate team, go to the team events. If someone's going to get a beer after work, go with them to get a beer or whatever it may be. You don't know where that will lead in the future, and it's highly valuable. Let's go back to some of the ways that you found that have been helpful to develop your your company and add Astra and some of the things you've done. 
because it's a competitive market out there. There's a lot of people providing similar services, maybe not in your particular niche, but like recruiting services, you know, are, are all over the place, right? So you've needed to find a growth path. Tell us a little bit about what that growth path has looked like and what are some of the strategies that you've implemented to help grow the business effectively? Great question. I think in terms of the side of being a business owner and growing your business, I think it's we started our business, just the two of us, and we did all the every aspect of of the business. And it's not just immediately hiring people to train them to do something. We are in the trenches doing the work ourselves, learning exactly what the needs of the industry were or are and what our candidates are like, what our clients are like. And learning that really firsthand before we decided to expand and hire people and 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 grow into other areas. And so that really allows you to get a really intimate relationship with your clients. And, and in our case, our candidates, our candidates aren't really our client, but they're so vital that it's the kind of the same thing. You really need to understand at a really deep level who these people are, who the businesses are, and what drives them and what they need. Because the next step is to deliver exceptional value. Don't worry as much about the bottom line in those first, those early days. Just figure out what your clients want and then just go above and beyond and deliver exceptional value because you'll keep learning, you'll keep getting referrals, you'll keep moving on and growing from there. And I think it's also about putting yourself out there, knowing when to take the right risks. We did a lot of work to, in the trenches, get ourselves established, build a reputation. But then we also decided to take some risks. We started to go after the drone market a bit and turned out not to be the right move. And that that's no problem, but we pivoted. And I think it's really important to know when the right time is to hire your team, when to know, hey, this is we have enough established credibility and income to support growing, but also when to say, this is more risk to take on than is necessary. It's finding that delicate balance that I think is really important, taking those smart risks and then not having fear once you make the decision and moving forward. What I really like that you focused on is like, how do you put yourself in a position to understand the needs of your clients and provide value? Because that's really what it comes down to. Can you provide the value of what they, they're looking for? Can you solve those problems? And that's true as a business trying to provide value for a client. That's true of a job candidate who's trying to be the right fit for a business too, who's saying like, hey, can I be the person who can solve the problem, provide the value for the business that might want to hire me? It's the same principle here. So I'm curious though, you get to work with a lot of partner businesses and clients who are trying to build their teams and engineering and technology spaces or space specifically in clean tech. What are you seeing are some of the factors that's helping them to grow their businesses? And obviously you're providing one piece of that as they're trying to grow their teams, but what are you seeing is working for them in this space as they're trying to grow and develop their new technologies and, and solutions? The first domain that is super vital is having that product market fit, having your niche, having your beachhead, and really knowing what the market needs and what exactly we're going to deliver to meet that need and be really laser focused on that. Don't let yourself get diluted into other tasks. And I think that translates into this next idea of having a really clear product development roadmap, have your milestones mapped out, have those be achievable and tie those to your fundraising efforts because you really need access to fundraising. And I think that's the kind of third one is that we're working mostly with 
really high tech hardware companies that need they're very capital intensive and they're seeking venture capital money and that's really important and you want to raise that money and if your development roadmap is tied to that fundraising that becomes a lot more achievable you can come back at each round of funding and say look what i achieved i said i would achieve it i did that's why you can trust me that i'm gonna achieve the next milestone with this next round of fundraising you also want to try to minimize your fundraising ideally if you can find non-dilutive fundraising that's really helpful the government gives out all sorts of grants and way of access to money to grow your business without having to dilute your equity. And I think that's really, really vital and really helps you extend your runway without having to ask for capital all the time. And you really want to make sure those awards that you're going after, those proposals are really tied directly to that niche beachhead that we talked about. If you're going after fun proposals because it will make you $50 million, but you have to basically take on a whole new branch of your business, you're going to miss your beachhead. And so you really want to just focus on things that are direct. And then there's so much to talk about on the the people side, the team side, the leadership side, and have a ton of experience with that. And that could be uh, you know a whole topic for another day, which we can certainly get into, which is fun and, and critically important for business leaders and for engineers trying to grow their careers as well. Um, you could probably talk about how you leverage those skills, even just when you were at SpaceX and and how that helped you grow your career. But just curious as we end off just kind of this main segment of the episode, especially for those engineers who are thinking about, oh, I might want to start a business one day. Is there any other kind of final piece of advice that you'd maybe focus them in on if they're thinking about this, you know, coming from an engineering background and thinking about maybe I want to start my own thing someday? What would you say to them? Especially because we didn't talk about people as much in the last question. I think here is a great time to talk about the people side. And I think especially for engineers, that's something that is sometimes missed. They think, oh, I have this really great idea and I know how to execute it technically. But then the hiring side, the culture side kind of gets pushed away and is and it's a huge piece of how you are successful. And so I think one thing, you know, when I'm talking about growing your first, whether it's your immediate founding team or maybe that seed or series A round where you're starting to, okay, we got to grow the team, get a lot of bandwidth in here. I think you want to start by hiring department heads for each of your key domains those hires are so, so critical. And it's they're going to be some of the hardest people to find, the hardest people to close. But because what you're really looking for is you want someone that has the right amount of experience that knows how to do this and yet is frankly at the right stage of their career for it. Especially if we're talking about startups, there's not everyone who's been working at startups or working at the SpaceX's of the world for 10 years is not necessarily ready to get into a very early stage startup and own a department. And so these people can be really hard to find, but they're really, really important. I would recommend budgeting for that because you want to be able to to hire that person and you want to be able to grow the team around them. And if you hire someone too junior, then you might have a hard time pulling in more experienced folks because are they going to want to work for someone who's very, very junior? And so it's really important to be thinking two, three, four steps or years ahead on what the team's going to look like around those initial hires. And similarly, I think we need to be focusing on culture from the very beginning. 
Do you work well with that person? Do they have the right vision for how they're going to execute things and the energy that they're going to be bringing to the organization? Maybe you don't agree with them on everything, but can't, is there enough respect that there that you can talk it out, come to the best solution, and maybe even agree to disagree and move forward? The last item that I think is really important is that we talk to founders all the time. They always are really passionate and they always have really great ideas and we're really excited for them and with them. But you can't expect everyone that you're hiring to be immediately bought into that vision, especially engineering founders get really caught up. And this is the coolest thing ever. If you're not bought in, then you're not going to work really hard and you just don't get it and we don't need to consider you anymore. And I think it's really wise to be aware that your job as a founder is to inspire people. It's to get them on the hook with your idea, convince them that this is really important. This is worth working hard for. And it's through that that you actually have a chance to hire people who are willing to work their butt off at a startup that are going to value the equity that you're offering and because not everyone has the same passions as you. And I think it's really important to ground yourself in that and find those people that do have the same passion, but also realize that some people just aren't there yet and you need to work to get them there. At this point, we're going to transition into the Take Action Today segment of the show, where we come back and get one more final piece of actionable advice from Brian. We'll be right back. We're back with our Take Action Today segment of the show. Brian, we've had a fun conversation about a lot of things around building businesses and connecting with people. And I really want to hone in on this idea of networking. It's something that can be applied to people no matter what they're trying to do in their careers. But what would you give to our audience as a final piece of advice to grow their network and really take this principle seriously? Circling back to that topic from earlier in the conversation, we talked about how it's maybe going and getting a beer with someone or going to that company event, whatever it may be. And I think that there's a lot more opportunities, even just in the office, doing your day-to-day work that opens up a lot of networking opportunities. And so I think it could just be as simple as taking a breath when you're in the middle of working with someone to realize the value of this moment. I think we often get very caught up in our own individual responsibilities, what we need to do next, that we're more frantically moving from thing to thing and are very focused inward and less outward. And so I would encourage folks listening or watching to take going into a next meeting. Maybe it's someone that you really respect, or maybe it's your boss or your boss's boss, and you're going to have an impact in that meeting. Maybe just take a breath and say, hey, It's not just my work that has an impact here. It's also how I interact with this person, how I present myself and go into that meeting with that in mind and look to also connect with that person where they're at and what they're interested in. Really focus on listening to what that person hears about and reflect that back to them, talk towards that, and you'll learn more about that person and be able to establish yourself as someone that they can trust and will go to more in the future. You're already meeting and connecting with people in your everyday work. So find ways to deepen those relationships and value them in bigger ways. And that's part of growing your network and trust with people. So excellent, Brian. So thanks so much 
for this great conversation. If people are interested in connecting with you, learning more about Ad Astra and, and other things you're up to, where would you point them to? We do have uh, Instagram and Facebook, but I do think that the best places to find us are on LinkedIn primarily. I'm, we're pretty active with on LinkedIn because of her business, if you will. And so at Astra Talent Advisors, you can find us on LinkedIn. You can follow us, and connect with me there or connect with the rest of our team who are always looking to find excellent engineers for new space and clean tech startups. Our website's at astra.us. If anyone wants to take a look, learn more about us and look at our open board jobs that we have open, but we are very active organizations and we are usually going to find you and not expecting that you'll come find us. Well, thanks so much, Brian. It's been a fun conversation and wishing you and Ad Astra nothing but continued success as you move forward. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you so much, Jeff. I had a great time. I really hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and questions. You can go to www.engineeringmanagementinstitute.org where you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in the episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books that we mentioned. And don't forget to check out any upcoming live webinars also at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Additionally, for any engineers who are struggling and need help taking the next career step, I've created some free training resources with an opportunity to join a more intensive program called the Engineering Career Accelerator. You can find more information at engineeringcareeraccelerator.com. Until next time, I wish you the best in all of your engineering endeavors. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff, but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.com dot org.